tell me where in the world is crime in San Diego. Welcome back to Where in the World is Crime in San Diego. This is Maya Milliet. Uh, Preliminary hearing, day five. I just had a brain fart. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So, uh, Angie, take over. So yesterday when we left off, Genesis was on the stand, and they were starting to get into that time period when Maya lived with her. So we picked up from there and during the time that Maya lived with her which was from May 2020 to June 2020 Larry texted her 43 times granted some of those were probably like five text messages at once like he seemed like a short texter versus like full sentences but on May 14th alone he sent 20 texts and a lot of them consisted of the same theme of like is she home has she gone out did she spend the night there You know, how's she doing? Where's she going? What time does she go to work? What time does she come home? Things like that. In February of 2020, Larry told Genesis about an affair investigation that was happening at work and that he had a meeting with Maya's boss. It also came up that in May of 2020, May told Genesis that the scars, quote unquote, in the house were because Larry would get angry and punch the walls and they would patch them up. And Genesis says that she never really paid attention to notice patches, but that that was the explanation for why there was patching in the walls. At one point, Larry also planted his daughter's phone in Maya's car so that he could track her location. And when Maya found the phone, she was very upset and she threatened to leave. And I'm not sure if this is the same instance because it sounds like there's a couple times where Maya threatened to leave, but there is a text thread where Larry says that he told Maya that if she does actually leave, he will ruin her career and he will take 100% custody of the kids and he will make sure that she gets fired because he knows that she loves her job. Which just kind of shows you where his head was at. June 27 was a pretty long day for Maya and Larry. So it turns out that Larry kind of liked to do like pop-up visits and drive around the parking lot and see if he could find where Maya was at or what she was up to. And Larry says he called Genesis and told her that he caught Maya in a white truck with her coworker Jamie. And then he proceeded to text her a picture of the truck. Genesis told him to not do anything, just leave them alone, like wait to ask her what's going on. Larry decided to confront Jamie and ask him what he was doing with his wife. And after that, Maya broke out in tears. She wanted him to go away. Later that evening, Maya and Larry show up at JR and Genesis' home to collect her belongings. And Genesis says that she can see that Maya's eyes were very swollen. She looked like she had been crying. Larry was very quiet, which was not unusual. And they just grabbed her belongings and they left. And they didn't bring up the topic anymore because it just seemed very sensitive and private and personal. So after Maya had moved out sometime later, Larry told Genesis that he was considering studying or apprenticing under a spellcaster. And he was very aware he only wanted to learn white magic. He did not want to do dark or evil magic. And she warned him that that didn't sound like a very good idea, but he was so desperate to do anything to save the marriage that he was willing to sell his soul. And then he follows up by saying, like, okay, maybe I shouldn't say that. 
but it's really odd comment to make. And Larry's lawyer also kind of insinuates that the reason that Larry told Genesis is because her mom had like some involvement with magic or spellcasters kind of thing, which she shut down right away and says is completely false. I just don't know where they were going with that. He also later on shares that he's trying to use subliminal or white noises. And he installed things in the room to say things like love me. Which just shows like the desperation that he had to like literally do everything and anything supernatural or not. Just so weird. Yeah, like her testimony was that, you know, subliminal messages of like, stay with me, stay, stay with your husband and, and stuff like that. No other men. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's really disturbing of the lengths that he's taken so far. And, and I'm assuming this was around September. The reason is they were already sleeping in different rooms and they were already like Maya was already pulling away. Lastly, Genesis did confirm that Maya did tell them about the divorce on that Lamas trip at the end of 2020. And she said that she was planning to let him know after the Big Bear trip. And that when she did, she wanted her family to stop responding to his text messages because anything that they would say could be used against her. And if anything were to happen to her, it would be Larry. Yeah, and this is where, um, you know, obviously, so JR goes over to Larry's house while Larry, or sorry, when JR is at Larry's house, you know, Genesis is home with the kids. And the day after, that's when she goes over to Larry's and sees, you know, his demeanor is, is different with Maya missing because usually he's all always about like, Where's Maya? Frantic and desperate. Where's she doing? Where? And, yeah. What has she off of work yet? Have you spoken with her yet? And this time around, it was just very calm. His demeanor was calm. There was nothing. There's no. No. There's no sense of urgency for for him to try to be like, well, I need to go find her. Yeah. So she found it very, very odd, and that you know, it's like he is usually concerned with Maya's whereabouts. That's what really stuck to her head. And then on a phone call after uh, Maya's disappearance, when it's been reported to uh, Chula Vista Police Department, Larry told Genesis, and I quote, don't do something stupid. And Genesis didn't really know how to take it. She was just really bothered. And she was she was just so confused, like, like, shocked, like caught off guard. And this is the, this isn't the early February. So this is before he lawyered up. Yeah. And so she was just really like. It seems like he really confided in her the most so far as to like having her as his inside man kind of thing because she worked with him and she was part of the family or she worked with Maya. So I think he felt like she had the most eyes on her. So she says she felt a lot of need to like trap where Maya was because she knew Larry would come up and ask. Yes, I agree. Uh, the biggest shock with Genesis' testimony was as she's doing the cross-examination and Larry's lawyer's asking her questions. The questions were so repetitive that she at one point just bursts and says, I feel like you're torturing me. And the judge obviously was like, okay, this is it. That, like, I'm done. Like, he had been rejecting every question. He had been telling her how to phrase her questions because she was getting very argumentative. And at one point, he just shut down, like, altogether. They took a break. They came back. She was allowed to ask one or two more questions and then they released her. But it just shows like one, the dispreparation on their part 
And two, like how much it takes out of you to be a witness. Like they're hanging on to every word you say. Anything you say can or will be twisted and however it benefits somebody like it's it's intense. Yeah, she was on there for at least a good. I think she was actually longer on the stand than um, Mary, uh, Chris. Mary Chris. Yeah, honestly. And it's just and a lot of the questions were super repetitive. Yes. So I can't imagine like how drooling it was for her, but it got really heated for a minute. It was it's it's incredible how long she was on there. Actually, looking back on it now, it was at least more than half of a day. Next on the stand was Derek Sop S O P P, and he was Maya's boss when she was at her previous job from December from February of 2017 to sometime in 2020. And he came in and basically said that one day uh, there was just a lady calling all sorts of different points of contact within their command. And she was reporting that Maya was having an affair with her subordinate. And Larry happened to be there taking Maya out to lunch. So he called Larry, Maya, and the employee that's being accused of this into the office. They sorted out the rumors. They realized it was false accusations. And that was meant to be the end of it. But shortly after, Larry emails him, like literally a week later, and asks if he can move an employee to a different employee to another like station or team because he was working too closely with Maya and it was affecting the relationship. And he just basically says like, he doesn't answer it the first time he gets the email again. And he just figures like they're working things out. I'm not going to get in the middle of it. Like I just won't respond. A couple weeks later, he gets another email about a different employee that he's requesting to get moved teams And he's kind of trying to be like, hey, brother, like, help me out here. We're trying to, like, work on our marriage. And, you know, this person's just getting too close to her. And again, he's like, hey, like, that's part of her job is to help people under her and, like, support them and guide them when they're having issues. Like, I can't stop her from doing her job. And the employee's not doing anything wrong. Like, their direct supervisor's not here. She's the next in line. Like, that's how it's set up. And he says, like, okay, yeah, I understand. She's just too embarrassed to ask you because she doesn't want to look silly. So that's why I'm reaching out to ask. But I totally understand. Which just shows, like, how far on these boundaries he's going. As we've heard before, May took her job very seriously. She was very proud of her career. And sometime in June, after the accusation happened in February, and a couple months later in June, she decides to leave to a different company. And she had two reasons for this. One, she said she wanted to try something new. It might have more upward mobility for her. She was already almost maxed out. She had one more level and then she was maxed out where she was at. But the other reason is she said that she was it was best for her marriage, which kind of just was made to understand or gave the impression that because of the accusations, she didn't want to like bring more drama to work. And she was really embarrassed that that even happened. So she just wanted to like start new and start fresh. Her boss even offered, like, you know, is there another position you want? Is it more money? Like, what can we do to keep you? And she was just like, no, I just need to start new. Like, this isn't going to work. So she left her new company. She still kept really good relations with her ex-boss and with her ex-coworkers. So over time, they had connected on, like, just work stuff. Like, hey, have you ever seen this? Or, hey, I have this problem. Can you help me out? Again, not on a daily basis, just sporadically. But on January 6th of 2021, just one day before Maya's last known whereabouts Maya texts her boss or her ex-boss at like 11 20 a.m and she says hey do you have a second 
And he gets excited thinking like, oh, she wants to come back. Let me get her desk ready. Like she wants her job back. And he's like, yeah. So she calls him. And when he answers the phone, instead of hearing like this chipper Maya that he's used to, he gets this like sobbing, distraught, stressed out Maya. And she tells him that she just hired a a divorce lawyer and that she's planning on going through with it. And when Larry finds out, he is going to come after her job and make it ruin her career. Like that's his one goal. So she's pretty sure that he's going to try to bring up those allegations from February of 2020. And like at this point, it was very discreet, like it wasn't widely spread. So she was just afraid it was like everybody was going to find out and like nobody was going to want to hire her. Just people would know like. She just didn't want to getting out of hand. So she was just warning him like, hey, this is coming your way. It's probably going to become a big thing. Just letting you know. So it was just more of a courtesy call. It wasn't that she was asking him for help or anything. She was just like letting him know. But he also did mention that like if it had gotten out and if the fair had been real, like she wouldn't have gotten fired. It was just her trying to protect her like reputation. But he also remembers that back in like early 2020 or late 2019, There was an instance where like Maya just didn't look like herself and he asked her what was going on and she shared that she was considering separating and that it would had to do a lot with Larry's behavior, that he was restricting access to her money, which she was making really good money. They estimated about like 130 to 140 a year. He also was tracking her locations all the time, like she always had to have her location on. And he requested to have all the passwords to all her social media and email accounts, which she just had like no privacy anywhere she went. It was very controlling. And now we're moving on to the last witness of the day, J.P. Talabanza, Maya's older brother. Yeah, so J.P. is the second oldest uh, after Mary Chris. And what I got from his testimony, because he was on the last like 45 minutes of the day, is... June 2020 is where Larry kind of starts talking about the quote unquote, get that guy. And that's what really sticks out. And even in Christmas of 2020, you know, JP was talking with Larry and he wouldn't, Larry wouldn't let go of that conversation about uh, get that guy, get that guy, meaning the, uh, the, the guy that's allegedly having an affair with Maya. Now, even on the Glamish trip, Larry drove the Jeep. Maya's Jeep in the in Glamis and to JP JP JR no it's J how we get those guys confused it's JP JP sorry you do too. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so JP was uh riding shotgun and Larry was driving but Larry was driving like super fast super aggressively where it scared uh JP you know and in this conversation Larry was talking to him or sorry Larry was talking to JP about having $20,000 to get that guy. He also offered to pay him a $4,000 like finder's fee for exactly. the stress of having to like to find, find somebody. To find someone who can help him get that guy. And, and you know, JP was just kind of like, oh, he's just kind of talking out of his out of his head. Like, it's just not, he wasn't really thinking about it. But thinking of it now, after all this, it's it sticks out to him now. He that, also made a comment that, it's really odd, but he said that he liked to torture people and then cut he their wanted to like, cut testicles. their testicles or yeah. cut their balls. That was his word for word. Yeah. And, oh, that's just sound horrible to say. But it's just like it's one of those situations where you awkwardly laugh, but like, what do you even say to that? 
and it sits weird, but you really don't know what to make of it, so you don't make anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going on to uh, January eighth, so JP had his daughter call Maya Cell, and there was no answer, and even called like the landline with no answer. Um, and at this time, this is where JP tried calling or getting in contact with Joel uh, Miliente, who is Larry's dad, but they were living in Texas. And uh, there, he unfriended them. Or he, someone, so that was Larry's brother. That was Larry's but brother. Yes. Yeah. They they unfriended each other and tried to get in contact. So there was, and then it was just a, a little bit of confusion of how, like, there was just. Basically, he was trying every number he knew in San Diego. He was trying Maya's cell phone, Larry's cell phone, Laura uh, Laura's cell phone. And he no was one was trying, answering. Yeah. The landline, like anything he could get his hands on over and over. His daughter was trying to call her cousin, see if maybe she answers mm-hmm. one person, but not the other. Like, And it wasn't until later that evening, uh, Larry FaceTimed JP on Messenger. Yeah. And it. And it for him, it was really it was really strange and odd because they never FaceTime. Not only that, what he was doing during the FaceTime, he was laying in bed with his kids around him. Yeah. And he says, look at this is my life. Mm-hmm. Which is really foreshadowing it, to me, like eerie. Yeah. But he wasn't in his bedroom. He was in the kids bedroom. Yeah. You so he's trying to say, like, I'm like, like single dad life because she's never here. Kind of was I was getting at. Yeah. And that's where it ended for today. That we ended right there, and it's gonna it's gonna pick up tomorrow morning at at nine a.m. with JP still on the stand, giving his testimony. So, so a couple of the laughable moments from today's court. Uh, the judge had to rephrase a question because he gave Bonita Larry's lawyer like three attempts at trying to get this question right, and every time she would say it, like it was just wrong, like it just was not okay. So after getting rejected by the prosecution three times, he finally phrased it for her and was like, okay, this is what you're trying to ask, right? So she was able to finally get it right. And then he also had to stop and explain what sustained meant because he kept saying sustained and she just kept going over him. So he like stopped and he gave like a 101 on he's like, okay, objection means you can keep going. Or like, wait, when someone makes an objection overruled means you can keep talking. Sustained means you have to stop and rephrase your question or move on. Yeah, so that was pretty bad. Like everybody was just kind of like, oh, like lawyer 101. And then um, at one point, like she was just going over the same questions a lot of the day. And the judge kind of got tired and was like, OK, we're wrapping it up. Yeah, you can clearly tell today he was just like, listen, we've been going at it this for over a week now. The questions and- are redundant. You're not sticking to the topic like you're going off. She tries to do a lot of like. Sneaking in things that were seen in the media and trying to prove them wrong here when they're not even being addressed in the evidence that's presented. So she goes off topic a lot. Not only that, but she started like talking right away when we came back from the Genesis break and Larry didn't have his headphones on and he wasn't ready. And the judge is like, hey, like your client's not even ready and you're already taking off like that. You need to make sure he's okay before you you start talking. It was kind of one of those like, you should already know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But those were a couple of the laughable moments. So we will see what tomorrow brings. Stay tuned. Tell me where in the world is crime in San Diego. Hey,